Merry Christmas and welcome to this Christmas episode of That's What People Do. I am James. I am joined by Ryan. How are you doing, Ryan? I am feeling very festive. Um, are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I always enjoy doing our Christmas ones because um, we never record them at Christmas. They're always recorded like a week before. Yeah. Um, and it's always it always feels a bit jarring. Um, it's like an insider trick, isn't it? Like you see all these Christmas films or like, no, Christmas TV shows or like mm. Christmas special episodes or something. They're filmed in like August. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, it's a, it's a long do. time. Um, and yet you had no idea. No, I am feeling relatively festive this year for some reason. Writing this episode made me feel quite festive. Um, I've done all my shopping. I'm done. It's just a really calm year. I love yeah. Christmas. I think it's such a great time of year. Fantastic. I, it's my favourite time of year. Do you have a favourite Christmas song? Yeah, I do. It's the really problematic one. Fairy tale is what the fairy tale of New York is that what it's called by the Pope? Uh, really? Yeah, the one that everyone wants to cancel because it has a homophobic slur in it. But I, I fucking love that song. Interesting. My favorite is uh, "Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day" by Wizard. Oh yeah, that is a good one. I used to do pantomimes as a kid, and we used to have to sing that every Christmas. That's sort of a Christmas tradition of me of mine. It's it's the one song that triggers a memory from my childhood back in like before before it all went wrong, where my parents were still together and I was living a nuclear a nuclear life. Um, and I remember mm. it being Christmas Day, and that song was on the telly, like mm. just playing, and it was just a nice time. Yeah, just a, ni- a nice <laughs> moment to reflect on. Yeah, so every time that song comes on, it just takes me back to that moment. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is good. I wish it could be Christmas every day. It would be very expensive, though. It would, but I think you get bored of it as well. I like having 364 days of pain to have that one day of nice. Although, I must admit, you know, like everyone says about how Christmas just starts too early. Every year it starts earlier and earlier. This year, Mm. I just don't feel that's been a thing. No, I noticed the stuff like the Christmas decorations on like shelves and stuff around like late September, early October, which is fine. Like I don't, I don't care. I reckon, I, I reckon because of the World Cup, I just not noticed it. The World Cup has massively overtaken World Cup final today on the day of recording as well. So I'm very well, excited about that. I was, uh, was going to say congratulations to Argentina who won. I want Messi to win, and also Emmy Martinez, Argentina's goalkeeper, plays for Aston Villa. So obviously, I want him to win. Your love for Emmy Martinez is borderline worrying. I love Emmy Martinez so much. I'm terrified that he's going to leave. People, the <laughs> listeners aren't interested in football. No, the final's it, already been. Yeah. Okay. So Christmas, huzzah. Let's get on with this episode. If you have clicked the title, you will have clicked the name St. Nicholas thinking, if you are like Ryan, who I, when I said I was doing this episode, you'd be like, he wasn't real. Well, fucking buckle in because maybe mm. he was. So Christmas. A time of year full of festivity, chocolate, gift-giving, drinking, seeing family, drinking, Christmas dinner, drinking, and topped off with some more drinking. There are so many stories span at Christmas with all corners of the globe appearing to have their own traditions and festivities. Here in England, we celebrate on the 25th of December after Santa delivers the presents on Christmas Eve night. Um, We have our turkey on Christmas Day, whereas if I'm not mistaken, everyone in the US will have their turkey on Thanksgiving and then for Christmas dinner we'll have like ham or something along those lines. I don't fucking know. Really? 
Yeah, that's what I've been told. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But because tur- tur- their turkey day is Thanksgiving, whereas ours is Christmas Day. American listeners, tell us what you have on Christmas Day. What do you have? I think it's a ham. I don't know why I've seen a ham somewhere. I think you have a big ham. Also, why do they call it a ham? It's like gammon to us, isn't it? Yeah, it's gammon. <laughs> big, yeah. Uh, big gammon. Yeah, big gammon. Are you still uh, vegetarian? I am, yeah. It really pisses my man <laughs> off at Christmas. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Japan, they don't actually do Christmas dinner because it's a largely atheist country slash Buddhist. But what they do do is go to KFC. That's their tradition. Um, it's that, so that popular, is... in fact, you have to pre-order your Christmas KFC, otherwise you won't yeah. get one. That is my favourite fact about Japan at the moment is the fact that they have KFC is massive at Christmas. In fact, there's a YouTuber that I watch um, called Abroad in Japan and he has lived there for like 10 years. He's an English guy from Kent and he um, he tried out a KFC Christmas and was like, this is shit. <laughs> it's just KFC. But I think what KFC have done really well is they've noticed that Japan don't celebrate Christmas and they've been like, there's a, there's a gap in the market here. We can fully capitalise on this and they have done a fair play to them. They make an absolute killing. Mm, yeah. Mm. Um, in Germany and other parts of Europe, they celebrate on the 24th. So that's when they have all their festivities and they have St. Nicholas Day on the 6th of December where children will leave their boots out to be filled with chocolate if they've been good or coal if they've been bad, which is largely what this episode's about. That's quite well, cute. I like that. It is nice, St. Nicholas Day. Um, obviously, consumerism has taken a sledgehammer to many traditions across the world, turning what was once a time with family into a season of panicking because PlayStations are sold out and arguing with your nan on Christmas Day as to why she can't make those racist remarks anymore. <laughs> That's largely what Christmas is, especially for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's spot on. You're like, you know, please don't. That, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my Christmas dinners always turn into an argument. I love it. <laughs> um, but Christmas had to start somewhere, didn't it? Why did Jesus, being born, turn into an elderly gentleman breaking into millions of houses every night to leave presents under a tree? Well, you'll be surprised to know Jesus didn't really have anything to do with it. So, dear friends, sit back and let me regale you with Tories of the... Uh, Tories? He's not a Tory. <laughs> with tales of the OG Santa, St. Nicholas. He's saying Santa Claus is a Tory. Santa Claus is a Tory. It's all about capitalism, he has, isn't he? So. he ha- he's all about capitalism. He has a workforce that he doesn't pay. Yeah, yeah. They should strike, unionise. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 100% Santa Claus fox hunts because, you know, the way he treats them reindeer, 100% I mean, he does fox hunting. I mean, what does he do 364 days a year? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's got basically a, lot of time a baron. Yeah, yeah lots of time. He's a landowner. We should the bring elves him down. Are not, the elves are not allowed to unionise. They can't strike. No. What a nightmare. He's basically, he's basically, Santa Claus is basically as bad as Suella Braverman. Yeah, she'd ship him off to Rwanda <laughs> if they dare unionise. <laughs> so... St. Nicholas was born sometime around 280 AD in Patara, which is in modern-day Turkey. Um, at the time, the region belonged to the Greeks. His parents were a very wealthy couple, and Nicholas was raised well. However, in his youth, his family got caught in the middle of a pandemic, and both of his parents lost their lives. Now, he was a devout Christian, and he really took to heart the whole sort of Good Samaritan thing. And as we often do on this podcast, I'd like to take a moment just to think about our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and for those of you who have tuned in for this first ever episode, that was a joke. Don't worry. We're not one of those podcasts. Um, but Jesus did famously say, apparently, I got this off a religious website, sell what you own and give the money to the poor. It sounds like something Jesus would say. Um, 
So instead of using his inheritance to pay off the mortgage and buy a boat like the rest of us would do, Nicholas decided to use the entirety of his parents' fortune to help the less fortunate. He helped the sick and the poor, and word of his generosity spread across the lands. Still a young man, Nicholas was made a bishop of Myra. However, uh uh-oh, Roman Emperor Diocletian, probably pronounced that wrong, did not have any time for Christians. He hated them, in fact, because obviously religion was a big sticking point at those times. He persecuted them for their faith, and Nicholas was exiled and imprisoned. The prisons were so full of bishops that actual criminals like murderers just didn't have room, so they didn't go to prison. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> real uh. good, real good system they got going. Yeah. Uh, as with every religious episode we do, you've got to cut us some slack. All of this was a long, long, long time ago, and religious texts tend to be a lot of hearsay, and it gets rewritten a lot. So everything I say, sort of from here on out, take it with a pinch of salt. Um, but St. Nicholas was a real dude, and everything I've said so far was legit. He was he was a dude who helped the poor, and he gave his entire inheritance away. He was good at gift-giving and foreshadowing. Um, But it's Christmas, so this episode is sort of less about the dude himself and more how the dude himself turned into Santa. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I love, sorry, just just go on it, like the idea that all the Romans are putting so many bishops in prison that there's not enough murderers in there. And I just imagine that's the world that Richard Dawkins would live in if if he he could run the world. What, he would just fill it full of... He He would just fill it full of religious people and there'd be murderers everywhere. Yeah, it does sound like something... He would do. He does not like religion. So I've just added lights to my Zoom. Yeah, we have festive lights. (laughs) (laughs) So here's what happened in my eyes anyway. St. Nicholas was a top bloke and he gave a lot of help to the less fortunate and would very often give gifts. He had a special love for children, not in a bad way, and he would often (laughs) give gifts to them too. Um, So that much is true. But here are some tales of St. Nicholas that are definitely just nice stories. But these stories are important to how Christmas came about. So it's important to tell these religious stories. There was a man with three daughters and this man was very poor. Now, back in those days, the Me Too movement hadn't started and women didn't really get a say in what they did or specifically who they married. In fact, it was almost seen as a chore to marry a woman. So they had to come with some financial benefit. Fathers of the women would often potent, would offer potential husbands a dowry, which is basically a sum of money if they're to marry your daughter. So you'd be like, marry my daughter, here's a lot of money to go with her. And they'd be like, yeah, fine. Now, this poor man had three daughters and he couldn't afford the dowries, so he wouldn't be able to like give them away. And they'd probably end up being sold to slavery and just not have a very good time. The father of the three girls had no idea what to do and he couldn't bear the thought of losing his daughters simply because he couldn't afford to give anyone money. Now, mysteriously, on three different occasions, one per daughter, the father would find a bag of gold had been tossed through an open window and had landed in a shoe or in a stocking. You see where this is going? The father was overjoyed as the money could be a dowry and his daughters could get married and at the very least not be a slave. Now, this is the story that led to the custom where children would leave shoes and stockings out in the hope that St. Nicholas would offer them gifts too. So another story. Already a saint at this point and long dead, the people of Myra were celebrating St. Nicholas and his generous gift giving when suddenly some Cretan pirates landed ashore and took some churches from the church, took some treasures from the church of St. Nicholas as their plunder. On their way out of town, they kidnapped a young boy called Basilios to be a slave to the king. Basilios did not know the language, but spent a year being a cupbearer to the king, waiting on him hand and foot. 
His job was to bring the king wine in a wonderful golden cup. The year ticked by and St. Nicholas' feast day rolled around again, but Basilios's mother didn't want to take part due to the day being a day of mourning the loss of her son. Basilios was still serving the king his wine with the golden cup in his hand when suddenly St. Nicholas appeared before him and whisked him away. It was then he appeared back at his home in front of his parents, golden cup in hand. So obviously the story is completely impossible, but this is the story that really kickstarted the belief in the West, especially the West, that St. Nicholas looks after children. And this is kind of why I'm telling you these nonsensical religious stories, because they all play a part in how the story came about. So let's see the episode for what it is. It's still what people do. We like to tell truth on this story. And obviously I've just told you some lies, but it's still (laughs) what people do. People take St. Nicholas, a real figure who gave her helps the needy and gave him gifts. And they do what people do best and tell wonderful stories that lead to amazing traditions. So people tell stories. So another story. St. Nicholas is the patron and protector of children. A story goes that three children were traveling to Athens um, to be students when they stopped at the same inn that St. Nicholas was happening to stay at. However, the innkeeper was a bad man and he murdered those three children. St. Nicholas woke up aware of the crimes and he prays to God and the boys are revived and safely returned to their families. Now in France, this story is sort of the same, but it's that three children get captured by an evil butcher. I don't know if that rings a bell for anyone. Oh, I've heard that one, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all generally the same. St. Nicholas is also the patron of sailors and voyagers. Why, I hear you cry. Well, as a lot of deeply religious people do, he sought a pilgrimage to the Holy Lands to walk where Jesus had once walked. On his way back home, a massive storm was brewing and threatened the ship he was on. Everyone was surely doomed. But St. Nicholas, he remained calm and prayed quietly. And to everyone's amazement, the storm calmed and everyone got home safely. So while these stories are incredibly questionable, they all stem from the real St. Nicholas, an incredibly generous man who devoted his entire life to helping those hit with famine, poverty, and ill health. And he gave everything he had to those who needed it more. And this is where we can really see the Christmas traditions getting involved. Now, he died on December 6th, 343 AD, according to multiple sources. So, but how did this generous man and these enchanting stories become, let's face it, the biggest holiday in the West? Well, it all goes Mm. back to him being the patron of sailors. Convinced that St. Nicholas was watching over them on every voyage, keeping them safe, sailors would travel all across the world, spreading the message of St. Nicholas. And everyone loved the idea of this man giving gifts and helping the less fortunate. He became the patron saint of many Central European countries, as well as many cities throughout Europe. Grand Prince Vladimir I, sorry, let me rephrase that. Grand Prince Vladimir I, brought Christianity to Kiev in the late 900s or early thousands. And in doing so, brought the stories of St. Nicholas. He was so widely loved that thousands of churches across Europe were named after him, including over 400 in England. Oh, I'm just going to take a breather break. <laughs> that's a lot yeah, of talking. A, you Any thoughts? a lot of talking. <laughs> Any th- yeah, I've been suspiciously quiet just been listening. I mean, enjoying this. Um, some of the crazy stories, like... With the two daughters, and it's like I'm just gonna, or three daughters, and it's like I'm gonna have to sell them into slavery. And it's like, right, that that was that's your option. I'm gonna have to sell them into slavery if I can't get them married. Like, I didn't really delve just... into the history, but I imagine that probably what happened because what women by themselves were undesirable. Like you had to be married to be a good woman or something. I don't know. That's so weird. So weird. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I because I, I I I like that you're 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 telling us the story about like about how how Christmas became Christmas, but it's like Coca Cola made Christmas Christmas. We get we get onto that. <laughs> ah, oh, well, in that case, I feel like you've had enough of a break. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, back to it. So Myra became the target of a lot of war, and people were worried about Saint Nicholas's tomb, and he was moved to Barry in Italy or Bari, probably Bari, B A R I. Not uh, not Barry in Wales. Not Barry Island, no. No. Uh, even today, it's a popular pilgrimage, and you can actually go and see the tomb of St. Nicholas, and it looks like a lovely like seaside town. It, it looks wonderful. So if you are in that neck of the woods, go and pop and see St. Nick. In Wales. The OG Santa in <laughs> Wales, where Gavin and Stacey was filmed. Oh, will there be a Christmas episode? Uh, a no. part two of Gavin and Stacey's Christmas episode? Maybe they I kept really it quiet. want one, but I don't think so. I want one, but James Corden's too busy being a yeah, well, he's, Allegedly. He's, he's leaving the Late Late Show, isn't he? So maybe he's got time. Oh, is he? Yeah. Or has he been fired from it? I don't know, but no one wants him, do they? What, <laughs> a, what a weird man. St. Nicholas remained a very popular figure in Europe until the 1500s when the Refor- Reformation began, which was a religious movement established by Protest- Protestantism. Prot- Protestantism. There you Protestantism. Go. That's the one. Uh, the new wave of religion did away with saints. However, the Dutch kept the stories of St. Nicholas alive. Each year on December 6th, children would place shoes by the door in the hope that St. Nicholas would visit and give them gifts like he had done to the father and his three daughters. This is around the time when immigration to the new lands, the USA, started picking up and the Dutch took their traditions with them. Known in Dutch as St. Nicholas, he would travel to the US with, with them or more commonly known by his nickname, Sinterklaas. You see ah. where the, you see where this is going. Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas, spelt S I N T R K L double A S. Very Dutch. It's very Dutch. The double A S is very Dutch. Yeah. As languages developed and the US adopted English as their spoken language, Sinterklaas slowly turned into Santa Claus. And as Americans do best, they took this tradition and decided to do it their own way. <laughs> December sixth simply wasn't enough. And instead of a single day, they wanted it to be an entire fucking holiday. And fair play to them, they did it well. In 1821, an anonymous illustrated poem called Old Sinterklaas uh, with Much Delight was released, which depicted Santa in a red coat with a sleigh and reindeer. Two years later, this was furthered by an American poet, Clement Clark Moore as he penned a visit from St. Nicholas in 1823. This was the first time St. Nicholas was described in the way we know him today. And the poem was so famous that it stuck. And then in 1881, cartoonist Thomas Nast drew his depiction of Santa in a drawing called Merry Old Santa Claus, wearing a large red coat with a white fur trim. So you know how people tell you that Santa was green until Coca-Cola sort of bought him? Mm. Yeah, it's just that's not true in the slightest. No. Wow. Wrong. Wrong. Although Christmas doesn't start until you see the Coca-Cola advert. I was just about to say, they do say Christmas doesn't start until the Christmas ad is on. Yeah. Speaking of Christmas ads, have you seen the John Lewis Christmas advert? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, I really like for it. Those it's, that, it's heartwarming. For those that, yeah, for those that haven't seen it, and any like uh, worldwide uh, listeners, um, 
which I've, of which there are many. Uh, it shows um, we've we've discussed this before, but uh, at Christmas time there is like a war for the Christmas advert from all the big superstore chains in the UK, where everyone has to make the best Christmas advert, and someone will win that unofficially. Um, Aldi have like Kevin the Carrot or something like that, isn't it? And it's stupid. Anyway, John Lewis have been like the top dogs when it comes to making Christmas adverts uh, with some absolute bangers in the past. But this year, they've gone a little under like, you know, under the radar a little bit. There's like um, a middle-aged man. He's learning to ride a skateboard and he's not very good at it at all. Like really not very good at it. But he takes like for the most part of the years, just learning and learning and learning. And it, we're like, what's going on like what's the what's the hook what's the thing and it's like oh maybe he just wants to learn to ride a skateboard for christmas or something and it turns out that the family have adopted a young lady who one of her hobbies is skateboarding and to try and get on her level he has spent the last six months to a year learning to ride a skateboard so that he Mm. can you know like speak to her on some level that she understands and it's just quite heartwarming and nice it is really cute i'm I worry with John Lewis because they used to be really good and then over the last few years it was a bit shit. But I was thinking, whenever you think of um, Christmas adverts, you get the old Sainsbury's one with the World War One truce. I remember when we oh, did the World War the One truce uh, episode and that guy on Twitter just fucking came for us. Duff history. Yeah, <laughs> this didn't really happen. Fuck off. <clears throat> so uh, for context as well, if you haven't already listened to it, the the, the football game did happen but it, the, the issue was with an image that we used, which is an image that you will see all the time, which you're going to see on social media. They all, that every single year, that story likes to come up on social media with, with very, very lazy social media article pages. Well, they always rehashed, they always rehashed the same story of, you know, all oh, the English played the Germans at football and, you know, someone won. And they always use this one picture of a couple of soldiers that like they're jumping up for a header. Now, that image uh, we used as well, because everyone else does, uh, because there are no images of the actual football game in question. And uh, a man who knows his World War I football history um, was like, this is duff history. Um, you're posting an image. This image actually came from so-and-so. And we're like, okay, cool. Thank you for letting us know. So we put an edit out there, just so you know, this image comes from blah, 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 blah. Mm. Um, and then I looked on his profile and yeah, it turns out he does it every year. Like every he's single person Michael that does Buble. it. He just wakes up at Christmas just to take to Twitter to get angry at people who have used this image. Yeah, yeah. Surely he's got better <laughs> things to be doing with his time. Apparently not. And he's like, this is duff history. You can't be using this image. Not even as a reference. No. It's such a nice story though. Just fuck off. Give people yeah. some slack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something to be said about how you know all, all the social media channels just love to rehash that story every year. It is a really nice story, to be fair. Oh, for sure. Find a new one though. <laughs> Have I've you ha- written about it yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> I've I've been off for four days. I don't know what they've been up to. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll figure out. I'm I'm a news writer. You are. You are. Yeah. So Back to the episode, which I'm fully aware that we're absolutely racing through and it's really worrying me. So, uh, people in the UK, I hear you screaming, but it's Father Christmas, not Santa Claus. Well, Father Christmas is actually an entirely different thing to Santa Claus. I know your mind just blew. And it wasn't until the 1800s when the two merged. The earliest sighting of Father Christmas is in a carol in the 1500s where a character called Sir Christmas, 
shares the news of Christ's birth. Um, ah. And here in the UK, we have a massive drinking problem and we like to party. So Father <laughs> Christmas in England didn't actually give gifts to kids. He had nothing to do with kids. In fact, he put on massive parties for the adults to get fucked up at. Yeah. That's all Christmas was to us. It's a massive party. I love that. Mm. When, I, when, I was being, when I was raised, it was Father Christmas. Santa to me seems very American. Santa, Santa and Santa Claus is very American. It was Father Christmas for me as well. Um, I think it's quite interesting to see um, sort of, I, I'm sure there's got to be more to it where like how Christmases are done in certain countries based on how they may, may live or whatever. Uh, and I, to, just to use that example in the UK, like that every, at the end of the year, Christmas was just a piss up. I reckon it's just saying, you know, it's been a hard year. It's a hard slog. And you just wait to that end of the year bit and you're like, I can let loose. It's the end of the year. Celebrate the fact that you've done well. Just fucking get slaughtered. Have a good time. Chill the fuck out. I, I, just showing that, you know, it's a difficult, hard life. You know, I don't know whether that's got anything to do with it. It's a bit of a release. Yeah. Our, our Christmases like, are very drink heavy. Yeah. Yeah. No, they are. But it's, yeah, alcohol, unfortunately, seems to be a big part of our culture. Like there's, a, there's a big tradition here where Christmas Eve, everyone goes out and gets fucked up and mm. it just completely ruins Christmas Day but it's still a tradition yeah the Tudors and the Stuarts celebrated Christmas by throwing parties dubbing someone Lord of Misrule and they had to oversee the festivities but none of this made him an elderly fat guy with a white beard he was just someone who loved to party and now bring on playwright Ben Johnson a lot of English culture comes from plays and books it's because we're so cultured I mean I mean, this is a fascinating question that has nothing to do with the episode, but if someone told you to like describe English culture, like bring in something that was English culture, what would you do? This is something I genuinely struggle with a lot of time. And I've thought about this, you know, when you'll see like nations wearing their like national dress yeah. and it's just old fashioned clothes or whatever. And I'm thinking, what would ours be? Mm. So our culture to me is a lot of history, like medieval history, I think is what we really mm. are good at, like castles and Shakespeare and... That is our. Blackadder. Is it modern day culture or is that just history? Yeah, it's just history. I, I don't. I don't really know. What's that? What's our thing? What is our thing? I don't really get what it is. We are very sarcastic, a bit deadpan. Do you know what? I would take. I would take sarcasm as like something I'm proud of. But being English mm. is 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 how uh, is our comedy and sense of humor. Speaking to people from outside of the UK. They the, the one thing I keep picking up on, especially from Europe, is when English are very we're very passive. If we don't like something, we'll tut about it and we'll moan about it until we go blue in the face, but we won't do anything about it. Mm. Whereas like which is why the strikes at the minute are if you're not from England, we've got massive strikes going on, like the railways aren't running, there's no post, the nurses have gone on strike, everyone's gone on strike, airports have gone on strike, the country's in shutdown. Um, which is why it's so shocking to us because it's never really happened before. And then there's a sense oh, like part, for the well, miners. No, not in our lifetime, yeah. Yeah. Um, I Whereas in France, them, if they don't like something, they'll petrol bomb the fucking Eiffel Tower immediately. Yeah. Um, I wonder then if, if something that is uniquely British is just a sense of patience. I think we, in my eyes, we, you know, they keep calm and carry on. I think we mm. take that too far. Yeah. Like we, we're very much, we just put up with stuff. Yeah. But then also, if you, th I, I, I had to get World War II into an episode, obviously, because it's who I am. But if you think back to like the war 
effort and how the British people sort of reacted to that. I think that keep calm and carry on thing really fucking helped us. That mm. we 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 were ready to go until the last man, which is kind of yeah, romantic in a morbid sort of way. Yeah. But nowadays I, it's I, a fault because we're not at war and we're just we're, our cost of living is crazy. Everyone's fucking freezing to death and then no one's doing anything about it. Mm. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that's us. I think that's what British culture is. It's being. It's the ability to be patient. Yeah, and just no matter what happens, we'll just get on with it. Take it on the chin, crack on, keep going. Which I think is a fault. Possibly, it's a big issue with me. I'm very like I'm. I'm like that, and it's. <laughs> I'm like ah, oh, whatever. It'll get someone fine. could literally anyway. come and spit at you, and you'd be like, yeah, fine. It's, it's, it's uh, no. Yeah, it's like complaining sure they... in a restaurant. If I get the wrong food. Like I, I won't complain about it. I'll just eat it. No, no, that's what I've got. That's what I got a girlfriend for. Yeah. Whereas I'm sure Americans <laughs> listen to this right now, being like, if my steak is slightly not how I want it, it's going back. Well, to relate it back to Christmas, um, you know, we always get given that one gift that we're a bit like, oh, yeah, oh, great, thank you, yeah, and it's that awkward smile that everyone's learnt to do. You're like, oh, hmm, yeah. yeah. It's the same feeling as when everyone's singing happy birthday to you and you don't know what the fuck to do. Oh, God. Tight lips. Tight lips. Yeah. yeah. Just just start singing. Start clapping. I don't know. Really go for it. Oh, right. Anyway. Well, well, Christmas. <laughs> so playwright Ben Johnson, that's how we got into that. Johnson's play, Christmas, His Mask, came out in 1616, performed at the Royal Court. In it, there was a character called Old Christmas. He's an old man. And he had children called things like Misrule, Mince Pie, and Carol. So mm. wasn't even trying to be subtle with it. That was just fucking no. Christmas. Uh, Christmas in England was banned in 1647 when Oliver Cromwell, who I definitely want to do an episode on at some point, decided mm. to be a massive buzzkill after winning the English Civil War. Christmas would vanish for 13 years. He also got rid of theatre, but we'll get onto that uh, in another episode. But in 1660, it was back, and Father Christmas would appear in plays for hundreds of years. Historians generally believe that Santa stepped foot in England for the first time in 1864, after featuring in a play next to Father Christmas as two separate people. But as soon as English people heard that you can get actual gifts from Santa, Father Christmas soon merged into St. Nick and everyone began (laughs) putting out stockings for gifts, which pissed off a lot of the old people who just wanted tradition. But obviously, if yeah. you're a kid and you're like, this bloke is going to come and give you free shit, you're like, yeah. Yeah. And then all the old people are just like, oh, fuck, man, I've got to spend money on this shit now. Yeah. And now it's just turned into a massive capitalist nightmare. Yeah. Despite Santa Claus being a Dutch tradition adapted in New York, Victorian England fucking loved it. And Father Christmas and Santa were soon the same person. And that is why most English people will be brought up calling him Father Christmas because that is just sort of where our history comes from. Um, but Santa and him are now one and the same. Mm. So there we have it, done remarkably quickly. Uh, how a generous <laughs> man in modern-day Turkey who helped kids and the needy became potentially the biggest holiday on the planet. And what I love about this story is that it shows the power of people, how a few kind acts almost 2,000 years ago have turned into centuries of stories that have developed over the time to give people comfort in the cold winter months or the boiling hot Australian summer, depending on where you are. In Europe, St. Nicholas Day is still celebrated on the 6th and where children put their boots out and they get given 
sort of coal or, or chocolate. And obviously there are spin-offs to the story. St. Nicholas has sidekicks, some of which are deemed racist in today's world, like um, Strulpeter, I think it's called, or something, something Pete. I don't know, I don't speak German. Um, but basically he's a miner. I think the story is he's a miner. And that's why he gives you coal if you've been bad. But because he's in the mine, he's got blackface. Which uh. is a bit of a no-no. Um, Krampus is another interesting character that can be found mainly in like Austria and northern Italy. And that is a fascinating thing. Um, but we this is a happy about, episode. We have spoke we about spoke Krampus. about Krampus, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also I want episodes for next year. So I'm going to hold off on doing the bad side of Christmas for just give me something to do next year. Um, <laughs> and we can get on to why kids have coal and eat kids and whatever uh mm. but now i'm gonna end the episode a little differently so i'm gonna ask ryan to do all the normal social shit now and have all any of the chats we want to have now because i want to end the episode in a nice festive way so if you remember the poem i mentioned earlier a visit from st nicholas by clement clark clark moore um seeing as that it was this that led to how most of us view santa in today's world and considering it's the most famous christmas poem of all time i'm gonna read it to you lucky listeners in its entirety so if we do if we if we do all of the 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 shutdown now we close off now we have the chat I think there's stuff we wanted to chat about and then everyone pause grab a hot chocolate put the fire on cozy up and I will I'll talk you out with a lovely poem. Oh, nice one! All right, cool. Okay then. Well, um, thank you very much for that. Um, it's been fascinating. This because like we were talking before we started editing uh, recording this um, in that you were like there's so many channels to go down with the origins of christmas and like mm. obviously we've gone with just saint nick and but then like the actual festive season that is winter and all that sort of time and how it's religious and all this kind of stuff da, da, da. I, there's so many avenues that you can go down with figuring out where christmas comes from and why we've got the christmas that we've got today um yeah so it's been fascinating to just go down that one route it is i think this is sort of the main one of how santa claus came to be i find it i just love it how this saint nicholas just gave away his money and helped people because he was a deeply religious man. And then some people are like, that's a really nice story. And yeah. nowadays I like kids want a PS5 because of it. Yeah. That, it just develops as well. so quickly. I know you want a PS5. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I think pe- what people do best are tell stories. I think humanity is just full of stories, which I love. I love stories. Oh yeah. And I love how no, they, I, they stories really impact life. And I think this is a massive example of how stories impact us. Well, James, um, you'll be happy to know that we are a part of that history because that's what we do. We tell stories on this yeah, show and everybody do. tunes in every episode to listen to us tell stories. So you're part yeah. of that. People um, love stories. Okay, then. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, this is the last episode with uh, uh, with a focus on our person uh, that we will have for 2022. Um, so uh, this will go out. So I believe it's like Christmas tomorrow, guys. So this is going to go <clears> on. Well, it's today. It's 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 Christmas Eve. So um, really? I hope you guys all have a fantastic Christmas. Uh, I hope you get everything that you asked for and get those gifts that you tight lip about and go. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Socks. Great. Great. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm never going to wear them. I love socks. If people give me I socks, love socks, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Give give me socks, man. I'm at that age now where I rate socks. I won't buy them for myself. I just save them up every year. Yeah. Um, but if someone could buy me a PS5, that would be nice. <laughs> um, 
I am an adult. Um, <laughs> but yes, that's the last episode for the year. Now, it's been an interesting year. We are going to do a little uh, wrap up uh, before New Year where we sort of just do talk about uh, how the year's been, how we've been getting on and what we intend to do for the New Year with some New Year's resolutions. So do look forward to that coming just before the New Year happens. Um, but yes, to all of our listeners, thank you very much for joining us this year and we wish you all a merry, merry Christmas. Huzzah. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled or snug in their beds with visions of sugar plums danced on their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clutter I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes did appear, but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be St Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen, to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle mount to the sky, so up to the housetop the courses they flew, with the sleigh full of toys, and St Nicholas too. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pouring of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry, his droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod up the chimney he rose, he sprang to his sleigh to give his team a whistle, and away they all flew, like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night.